We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to The Morning Briefing on Intercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. This week is National Nurses Week. It's a time to appreciate those who work in the medical industry alongside doctors to save lives. And of course, there are those who do so in the military. I'm lucky enough to be joined by one right now, Commander Bill Danchenko, who is both a nurse and a doctor. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me here, Eric. So let's talk a little bit about your background, you know, where you came from, when you joined, and what you did when you first came into the Navy. I joined the Navy in 1994. I was 17 years old when I signed my enlistment. Is the day, first time I really remember my mother crying really hard. <laughs> uh, my father telling me it was probably the worst decision I ever made. And I joined on the delayed entry program. So I was still in high school. Uh, right after high school, I had the summer to kind of enjoy myself and act um, like a teenage boy. And yeah. then went to boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois. There you go. And you obviously going to boot camp at Great Lakes means you weren't a nurse to begin with in the Navy. So what was your uh, initial job within the within the United States Navy? So after boot camp, I went to what's called Hospital Corpsman A School. I was basically like an EMT or like a, a tech or a nurse's aide even. Mm-hmm. And my job actually worked in the operating room. So I cleaned instruments. Some people said, you know, it's a glorified janitor position or dishwasher. <laughs> but it was actually a really great job. I actually got to scrub in on surgical cases and remember actually doing suture certification on my 19th birthday. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's something that anyone who's in the Navy or in the Marine Corps, especially because we know how Marines they love, love their, their corpsmen. Yep. Uh, as do I, although you could come in with just about anything wrong with you. Be like, my arm is missing at the elbow. Well, here's 800 milligrams of Motrin. You go ahead and take that and you'll be fine tomorrow. Vitamin still, M. If it still hurts tomorrow, come <laughs> in. If it hurts, it's not there. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Uh, the corpsmen are, it's an interesting job field within the Navy. You have your independent duty corpsmen who are, in a way, almost like a physician uh, amongst themselves. Absolutely. There are many different tracks that you can take within Mm -hmm. the corpsman rating. You ended up eventually going the nursing route, becoming an officer and becoming a nurse. Mm -hmm. What led you to decide to do that? Well, I I really wanted to take care of people to a higher degree. I, Mm -hmm. I did. And I wanted to go to college. I'd love to sit here and tell you that I had some burning patriotic uh, fire in me when I was in high school. But the reality is, is I wanted to find a way to go to school. Right. And at the time, this was before 9-11, this was kind of at the tail end in 94, just the tail end of the first Gulf War. I was just trying to find a way to get what I needed. And the military seemed like a really good part of that. It seemed like they absolutely could provide what I needed. So when I was in A school, I pro- pro- actually applied for an officer program. And I didn't find out about it right away. Like, you know, Eric, yeah. the, I mean, the Navy likes to take their time and let me work. In just about everything. Yeah. Unless they want something from you, in which case you better have it done. Right. right Hurry now. up and wait. Right. <laughs> Hurry up and wait is our military mantra. So yeah. I end up, I was at my first duty station and I got a phone call from my mom saying the Navy's looking for you. 
Uh-oh. And I said, that's kind of weird because I'm right <laughs> under their nose. They know where I am, you would think. Um, and they actually, I had been selected for a nurse option ROTC scholarship to wow. go directly from my enlistment to being a midshipman at Penn State University, and wow. I, where I started as the, in, in the class of 1995. That's very cool and allowed you to stay. Obviously, the, the medical profession is something that was important to you. It's something that you wanted to do. It's something that you're still doing now. It is. It's part of my family, too. My mom was a nurse. My dad was uh, worked in the operating room. So this was something that was near and dear to my heart. When it comes to the decision to become a nurse, I think there are some people who have probably asked you the question. If not, I'll be the first, although mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. Why did you decide to go the nursing route instead of looking at becoming, say, a physician, becoming a doctor? Well, one of the things... I, and Here's my brutal honesty is I originally wanted to be a physician's assistant. Mm. And I thought about that, but I had experiences with my grandfather who, when he was dying, when I was a young man, I was, I think 10, when my pap died, he had hospice nurses and I saw them as the frontline caretakers. And they were the people that I saw as really taking care of the patients instead of just writing for things, writing for medications or whatever it may be. They got to know their their patients. And to be honest with you, I'm a personable guy and I like to get to know who I'm taking care of. You know, that's one thing that I do notice is often there are additional requirements of nurses that we often don't put on doctors where you kind of get to be the, the, the friend of the patient, whereas the doctor, you know, they, they're going to give it to you. They're going to give you the cut and dry, whereas the nurse is going to maybe help prepare you for that, maybe help you deal with it afterwards. Tell me about when you look at the, uh, the nursing corps in the military, the nursing community in general, how important do you feel that nurses are to the medical care that people receive in addition to the hospice care and all the other things that nurses deal with that, that doctors really don't? Well, nurses were the front line. I mean, this is what you're talking about here is the offensive and defensive lines of, of healthcare. And we advocate for our patients. What we do is we, for us, it's about what they want, not about what we think. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had complete contradictions with a patient with what I believe to be Maybe the best way to do it, but that's their that's their lane. We don't tell them how to do it. So just like you would you would think about in football, if you take away the offensive line, things start to fall apart. Mm. And at the same time, they're in the trenches doing work. You don't really hear about the nurses every day unless they do something wrong, right? <laughs> and then it's the, the headline where nurse does this. And it's the same way with veterans. So if something happens with a Navy veteran does this, they don't tell you that he did two years as a reservist and it was 40 years ago. Yeah. So that's once you have that, you that that identity, you pretty much own it for the rest of your life. But for us, it's it's all about taking care of our patients and advocating for them. And it's something that you're still doing. You still serve in the Every United day. States Navy. You're a commander. Tell us exactly what it is that you do now. We were talking earlier. You gave me your job title. It's very long. And yeah, very it's important. Yeah. So right, <laughs> I'm currently the, the chief of the Center of Nursing Science and Clinical Inquiry at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda. Um, so essentially, I, have a, I, I do a lot of things. So I have a Ph.D. in nursing science from the Uniformed Services University. I also have a master's degree from the University of Pennsylvania. I have a bachelor's degree from Penn State. Thanks, thanks Navy. You paid yeah, for all that. Yeah, and, I, and thanks, Eric, for paying your taxes because <laughs> we appreciate that. So what I do is I have active research that I do right now. I also still work. I'm privileged as a nurse practitioner at the Mirtha Cancer Center. So on Thursdays, I actually see patients all day long in the treatment center. So I... As patients are getting chemotherapy, because my specialty when I'm here is oncology, 
I take care of anything that they need, whether it be refills or all of a sudden they have a new cough, whether they're having a reaction to chemotherapy or nausea, I take care of all of that. I also teach. I teach at the Uniform Services University. I teach um, new nurses coming into the command about what is evidence-based practice. How do we make what we're doing better? How do we look at the science behind what we do and improve the experience for our patients? One thing that you mentioned in there that I don't want to gloss over is that you have your PhD. So correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. That makes you, Bill Danchenko, Commander <laughs> Bill Danchenko, nurse and doctor at the same time? Yeah. So I, and it's, it, it's a very interesting thing to introduce yourself to patients as I'm Dr. Danchenko. I'm the nurse practitioner because at the same time, I, I earned both. Right. And it's, it's a challenge because you don't want to come off and, and have your patient think that you're a physician because mm -hmm. I'm not. Right. But at the same time, I spent a lot of time and energy working to get my PhD. And that dissertation was a lot of work and I earned that. So I don't want them to think that I'm not that. Mm. But I always throw in that I am a nurse practitioner. My focus is a little different than maybe some of the other physicians may be. Um, and a lot, there's a lot of patients now. There's a kind of, a, I'm seeing a little bit of a shift. Patients like having a nurse practitioner take care of them. Mm -hmm. I would say 20 years ago was, well, you know, I really like to see the doctor. Today, if you get a nurse practitioner, some people actually request them. And I even have patients now that are rescheduling their chemotherapy that maybe they got every Wednesday and they're coming in on Thursday because they know I'm there. You are a nurse practitioner and a doctor. You're, of course, former enlisted. You were a mm -hmm. hospital corpsman in the Navy before uh, going the officer out and becoming a nurse while going to Penn State. It's interesting in that I think there is a similarity between doctors and nurses as there is between in the Navy, between enlisted and officers, particularly mm -hmm. the chief and officer community in general, mm -hmm. and then the nurse and doctor community where the chiefs oftentimes are responsible for keeping those uh, young officers, especially in line. And the nurses are often thought of as, you know, making sure the doctors don't forget about the bedside manner, make sure that they are taking care of things as well. Have you noticed a similarity between those two things? Uh, some of it. I think that what it feels like sometimes for me, and this is just what I've seen is, for me, I'm, an, I'm a naval officer first. I, that's absolutely what I am. My role in the military is to take care of people. But I also have taken on roles where I mentor doctors, not just on maybe how to do certain things from a medical standpoint, but on officership. How do you, I make you a better leader as a doctor? Because you've spent nothing but years and years learning how to be a doctor in a medical center, whereas I was enlisted and I was on a ship and I've been out in the world a little bit in the Navy and I need those physicians because one day if they're with a, say a Ford deployed surgical team, mm. I need them to be leaders as much as I need them to be physicians. So you start to see a little bit of difference where it's a focus I see on being a physician until the later ranks when they focus on the leadership. And for our nurses, our junior nurses start being charged nurses within sometimes a year. And that's, that's a big responsibility, and that's something you don't see in the civilian world. Let's talk about the military nurses. This is National Nurses Week, a week where we, of course, try to focus on the great work that nurses do around the country, including in the military, which people may think of what they do for our active duty. But remember, many of those military nurses are working within the veteran community as well and helping veterans who are suffering from things like you said is cancer or are disabled veterans who are seeking care or receiving treatment at Bethesda and Walter Reed and places like that. The history of the military nurse dates back even to before that was an official thing. I mean, Martha Washington and her uh, mm -hmm. camp followers in the Revolutionary War 
and has only grown in importance since then. When you look at that that vaunted history of the Navy nurse, how proud are you to be a part of that community and all it's done for the military community as well as the veteran community? Oh, it's in a way, it's almost overwhelming. I mean, you have a responsibility on your shoulders to uphand, uphold, really, the legacy of some of these great nurses, Florence Nightingale, you mm-hmm. know, actually working on a, on a battlefield. You know, things like that are, are that legacy is who we are. And just like everybody says, you'd never want to stop doing what you're doing and, and have it be worse. You always want to pr- improve on everything that you do. Leave it better than what you found it. Mm. And that's what we try to do every day. And we have challenges for that. But, yeah, we take taking care of um, World War II veterans still, still seeing these guys. And you know what? The, the beauty of seeing a World War II veteran talking with an Afghanistan veteran and they're both amputees that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing to see that we all have this common thread. We're not as different as everybody thinks we are. The Vietnam veteran and the Afghan veteran have a lot of common threads. That's absolutely true. We're speaking with Commander Bill Danchenko, who is a Navy nurse, as well as being a doctor. He has his doctorate <laughs> in nursing studies, so uh, an interesting double title there. When we think of nurses, I think something that that when you think about it long enough, it becomes very clear, but maybe at face value you don't think about is the fact that When it comes to aftercare, which is oftentimes some of the most difficult work in medicine, which deals with patients that may not make it, which deals with terminal cancer patients, you know, working Mm -hmm. in oncology, it's typically the nurses that handle that. I mean, the doctors are in there doing their important job, but what the nurses do uh, can be a mental struggle and can be very difficult. How important do you think it is for people to realize the the stresses that are on nurses for doing things like that? Well, I think that it's an intangible stressor that people just, it's an afterthought. Mm. So my time in Afghanistan, I was in Afghanistan, 2010, 2011. I was in uh, Kandahar at the role. And there's something called a role three multinational medical unit. We had countries had sent medical providers from everywhere, Swiss, the French Canadians, whatever it may be. And the amount of the volume of patients that we saw was staggering. My half of the emergency room saw just under 5,000 patients in under 200 days. Wow. We had three nurse practitioners, three nurses, and then a bunch of corpsmen. And that's what we did. Now, we also helped augment the trauma teams on the other side of the ER. And that is where we saw the death and where you lost patients. Hmm. The hard thing about death that I think that people need to understand is when we have a patient die, we have to go in and we perform that postmortem care. We make the patient even presentable to the family who's going to come in and they're going to see that patient for the last time. And then when that's over, we have to walk into the next patient's room who's alive and have a smile on our face and continue to go forward, knowing that right next door, somebody's just lost their father, husband, mother, daughter, whatever it may be. A very difficult thing to deal with, I'm sure. It's something that I I couldn't deal with. I mean, well, the I death of children too. I mean, yeah. when we saw that in Afghanistan, uh, I I typically don't work with children here in the when I'm stateside, but when you're in Afghanistan or anywhere downrange, you you take care of whoever comes in the door. Seeing um, some of the local Afghani children die was something I don't think I was ever prepared for, and don't ever quite honestly want to see again. It's one of those things that I think those of us who served over there. Um no matter what you did, if you didn't work as as a medic, as a corpsman, as a nurse, as a doctor, I, I think for us, the added stress that we would assume that you go under is we may have seen death in some way, shape, or form while we were over there. 
you were responsible for trying to prevent it, even in cases where it's not possible that you could have. You always had to try. Uh, was that a difficult struggle? And is that one of the things you'd like people to know about what the medical yeah, professionals I'm, like nurses go through? Yeah, a lot of the questions, uh, you'd, you'd see guys that were quadruple amputees. And the, the question starts kind of weighing on your mind about quality of life. What's this person's life going to be like if you do save them? Mm. And is that, and our, our job in the emergency room is to save people. It's not to play God. The other part of it, though, is we have to save the enemy, too. Mm. So when you have literally the sniper who may have shot one of our guys come into the emergency room and you are able to save the bad guy, but one of our guys dies, that weighs on you. That's a whole that's a different side of military medicine and and nursing that you don't really typically think about, because as a warrior, as someone who puts on the uniform, a lot of times when you get a ward, the objective is if the bad guy's trying to kill you, you kill the bad guy. Well, if the bad guy doesn't die, the doctors and nurses have a job to bring them back mm. and to fix them. And I, you know, I've struggled with that personally. Yeah, I, I can, I can't even imagine. I was going to say I can only imagine, but it's difficult to wrap my head around when it comes to the job of nursing. Which, of course, you know, the doctors get all the glory, but we know <laughs> that nurses are, and the corpsmen are in the navy are the ones who are doing the real work out there. What's one thing this National Nurses Week that you wish people knew about nurses that they, they might not right now? What's the one thing that you'd like people to really know about your profession? I would like everybody to understand that it is a profession the same as being a doctor or as a physical therapist or anything else. These nurses are highly trained, highly intelligent, and more than anything, they actually care about people. Mm. And, you know, I know that we have this kind of uh, back and forth with the docs, but quite honestly, and especially I see this in the military, is we have such a team, uh, such a, a great team that works together between nurses and doctors. It's unbelievable. And really, we don't do anything without them, and they and they don't dare do anything without us. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Anyone who's ever been around the medical professionals knows that uh, uh, the doctors may be the ones, as we say, getting the glory and with their name up on the wall, but it's the nurses who are uh, typically running things. A question for you as someone who's been in the nursing community for, for quite a while now and in the military for 24 years, what is the normal path for a military nurse, someone from the Navy or Army Nursing Corps, when their service comes to an end, whether it's retirement or just coming uh, coming up on civilian service because their contract comes to an end, what is the typical route you've seen for military nurses as they leave the service? Well, a lot of times it depends on where they're at in their career. I've seen some of my junior nurses get out and they go work and they, they become floor nurses or charge nurses somewhere. They usually elevate themselves to at least a charge nurse um, type of role because they've had some leadership experience. For those who have retired, you're looking at executive medicine. A lot of them, as we go through our career and you start off as a staff nurse and you're probably on a floor and then maybe you escalate into a, um, a department head job at some point, or then you're running a unit. And before you know it, you're able to run hospitals. We have nurses in the Navy that are commanding officers wow. of hospitals and even bases. So that's something that, you know, just because it's a nurse, doesn't mean that leadership lacks in any way, shape, or form. We have nurses that are absolutely leading the charge of medical centers in schoolhouses, not just, I'm taking care of other nurses. When I just mentioned that you have 24 years in, that means you've got to be coming up somewhere close to the end of the line <laughs> on the Navy career. As you prepare for that, how are you preparing for it? And what are your worries as you come towards ending something that's been your life for over two decades? Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, preparing for it is really just about establishing those connections with people. 
I, my biggest worry is that I'm going to end up in a job that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And in the Navy, we kind of have a nice little, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's a nice added bonus in a way. If you have a job you don't like, it's okay because eventually you're going to change. The Navy's going to move you and you're going to have another job. Now, if you do like it, you're kind of, you know, kind of in a rock and a hard place because you're yeah. going to lose that job eventually. But the beauty of, uh, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm surrounded by a place that really fosters growth, fosters that academic growth. It makes me think, and I want to take care of our, our veterans. I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. I don't, I, and nothing against the, the civilian population, but my heart is with my vets, with these guys who raised their right hand and took an oath to just swore to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I want to take care of those guys. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find more likely find a university that really feels strongly about their veterans, hopefully work doing some teaching there and some clinical work. And um, wouldn't be bad to make a little bit of money while I do it too. Well, there you go. <laughs> now, from what you've seen from the nurses that you've worked with who have gone through that transition, I mean, we, we focus on this a lot here. Uh, is there an easy transition going from being a military nurse to a civilian nurse, or are there often roadblocks and things that you need to overcome in making that change? I, I think the cultural change is the hardest thing for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people right now that will do stuff at Walter Reed. A rank has its privileges in a way. You know, you know that as oh, yeah. a young enlisted man, you know. <laughs> um, it, it's a challenge to navigate a system, a political civilian system in healthcare because we're not used to doing that. We're used to hierarchies and chain of command, and we work very, very efficiently like that. So when other little things get in the way, it's a challenge. National Nurses Week comes to an end this weekend. We really should you know, thank nurses every day. My, my Aunt Harriet, who recently passed away, was a nurse. Uh, she got into that career a little bit later on in her life. Mm-hmm. I think she may have been in her 30s when she went to nursing school. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong to my family out there, but uh, is it a career path that you think some veterans who may be coming up on, you know, whether they retire, finish up a term of enlistment, a term of time as an officer, is it a job field, a career field that you recommend people look at? Absolutely. And you'd be surprised. One of the things that's interesting is you'd be surprised that the the job they had when they were enlisted and they end up being amazing nurses, guys who have been SEALs, hmm. guys who have been electronics technicians, guys who have worked on submarines and done all these things that you would think there, that has nothing to do with healthcare. They end up being amazing nurses, nuclear propulsion tech. Some of the best nurses I ever met. That shocks me. Yeah. Right. The nukes. have no common sense, <laughs> but that would make sense if, if they're doing something very technical in medicine, especially, you know, that, Absolutely. that could work out. That is a fascinating thing to hear that people, you know, if you, if you meet a sailor who, who's a nurse on the outside or a doctor or something, you might think, Oh, you were enlisted. Were you a corpsman? And to hear that, no, I was an electronics technician. I was a welder. I was a whole exactly, yeah, like whole tech, right? Now I want to meet the nurse who was a former bosun's mate. That's the person you know what? I There's probably meet. one out there. Now I have a challenge, right? <laughs> if people are interested in in doing that, in going that route, mm-hmm. what's a good first step to take as someone who who did it a little bit differently yourself, going from uh, being a Navy corpsman to going to nursing school at Penn State? What is the uh, the best way for people to start researching that and maybe moving towards it? You know, the internet is the greatest place in the world to find probably all information, good or bad. But we ha- the Navy's website really outlines it very well. Um, all Naval officers who come in as nurses have a bachelor's degree in nursing. So we we have a, a standard minimal uh, degree for to be an officer. You have to have an undergraduate degree. Whereas outside to be a registered nurse, you may not have to have that baccalaureate right. degree. Um there are programs for people who are in college right now to get tuition assistance and to possibly help them 
finish out their degree and then come in and wow. be able to serve their country and actually do some pretty cool stuff, fly oh. around and, uh, you know, actually get to travel a little bit. And um, if you look at a map of the United States and where most of our medical centers are, right. it's beautiful. We're near the beach. Yeah, that's one of, of the, if people ask, why not the army? And it's like, well, cause I don't want to go to Fort Drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to go to, you know, Fort Riley. Yeah. With a, you know, feeling halfway Canadian when you get up there. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah it's, pretty it's much, pretty much. As we finish up here, Bill, I want to talk to you, ask you a couple of questions. One is, you know, how can we help nurses? How can the uh, the veteran out there, how can the military member, the civilian, how can we help nurses, specifically the military nurses out there? Well, I think to just thank a military nurse just the same way you'd thank the guy who was kicking indoors. And that's, I was just with a, a Medal of Honor recipient, great man by the name of Leroy Petrie, second ranger battalion guy. And he even said, a lot of what happens is all the all the glory goes to the door kickers. You know what? Thank your nurse. Because when you were born, there was a nurse there. And more than likely, when you die, there's going to be one there too. Mm. So we have covered that whole trajectory. As far as anything else, we don't want it. We don't, we don't need the uh, uh, parade. We don't need the accolades. We appreciate the thank you. But if we're able to help somebody, that's our satisfaction. Tell us what's wrong and let us fix it. National Nurses Week. No better guest to have on during that than Commander Bill Danchenko, Navy nurse, also a doctor at the same time. <laughs> One of those rare birds. So, Bill, we want to thank you so much thank for your you, time Eric. today. More importantly, thank you for everything you've done over your 24 years of service. And, as you say, you're going to work with veterans when uh, when that career does come to an end. Thank you in advance for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for your service. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.